0: Before Christmas, we um, uh, took a little break from uh, Who Do You Think You Are? the series that we're in uh, that centers on around Ephesians and understanding who we are in Jesus Christ, our God-created identity. When we came out of Christmas, as I shared with you, we were in a four-week series-ish um, called Rhythm, and this is one of the videos from it. But um, what we were talking about, and again, you know, as I shared with you, we really saw that as we sat down and looked at this, we saw that... It, it it's impossible to live out of your god created your god created identity in Jesus christ if you 're out of rhythm if you're out of sync and so we spent a few weeks talking about that and hopefully you guys leaned into that and so we're going to be jumping back into um, into um, um, who do you think you are? But it all ties together. It's not just some random things that we're doing. It all ties together. Because if we're out of sync with God, we, can't, we don't really understand how to live in our our God-created identity. And if we don't understand our God-created identity, everything's just out of harmony. And so, as we continue on today, we're going to talk about giftedness. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts. And, and, um, and we're going to spend a couple weeks doing this, which I know you guys love it when we... Put a wrench in your plan when you're using a book, right? But just bear with us, take a deep breath, because this is something that is really, I want us to truly understand. I think we have this really big misconception of what gifts are, the roles and ministries and things like that that God has given us. That we're supposed to be using in acts of service to bring Him glory, and so we want to spend a couple of weeks really talking about this and breaking it open. Last week I shared with you about the fivefold ministry. We threw up a survey. We're going to share that with you again, but I want to break that down a little bit more this week as we talk about giftedness, as we talk about spiritual gifts. Um, part of that goes too is when we look at when we look at giftedness, when we look at spiritual gifts in the Word of God. I think we don't really understand sometimes the context in which things were given. In Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is writing to a church where their worship service is really messed up. If you go back and read that whole passage, if you go back and read the Corinthian church, the whole Corinthian church was just really out of rhythm. It was out of sync, and they were doing things, they were talking about things, uh, the, the, these spiritual gifts and stuff that was really out of context in which God, the Holy Spirit, was giving them. And so Paul articulates and writes to them and says, look, this is why God is doing this through, the, through His Holy Spirit. And within that, he kind of opens up and talks about really that it's the manifestation of the Spirit that God gives. uh, to to this church. And so he was telling the Corinthians, it's all done out of love, but it's the Holy Spirit manifesting Himself to you to bring Jesus' glory. It's not about you. It's about bringing Jesus' glory. They were all about, hey, look at me. I've got this gift. Yeah, I see that you have this gift, but it's really not as good as my gift. And that's okay that you got this gift, but I should be held and elevated a little bit higher because I possess this gift. They're out of sync. They didn't understand it. And so he writes to them and he's saying, Hey, these are the gifts, and this is how the Holy Spirit works, and he tried to share with them it's all done out of love. It's all about love. And it's all, you know, that's what it all extends out to. He writes to the Romans. When we look at Romans chapter twelve, he's writing to another church that is really off base, because within that body of believers they had Jews and they had Gentiles, and they didn't understand that they're one. And Paul's writing and saying, "Hey, hang on a second. <laughs> this is who you are in Jesus Christ, and this is how God has gifted you. These are your ministries, and this is what this looks like." Now, when we look at the book of Ephesians or the letter of Ephesians, we read it's something completely different. It's like a letter given to it's given to the church in Ephesus, but it's a letter that's really kind of embraced as the Christian community has talked about this. They look at the letter to the Ephesians and they say, "This is kind of like the letter, the constitution of churches." Of a church. God, just, Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, just lays out this is how a church functions. These are how the people in the church functions. By the way, a church is about the people, it's not about the physical structure. I can't say that enough. Church is an element church. It's not First UB Church. It's not Trenton Hills Church. It's not what uh, Emmanuel UB Church, whatever. It, they're not Crossroads, uh, Ogden. Those are local bodies that's expressing, that's coming together as local bodies of the church. But the church is the people. You and I are the church. When we lose sight of that and we say, well, we're, and I know this sounds like it's semantics. I know that it sounds like I'm on a soapbox. But when we say stuff like, I'm going to church, that doesn't make sense. Well, what's the big deal? The big deal is not biblical. That's the big deal. And when you start communicating that stuff over and over and over and over again, what happens is there is misconceptions of what the church is. The ecclesia is, uh, we are the church. We are the bride of Christ. Those of us that have a faith in Jesus Christ that have been saved, we are part of His family. We are now living in our God-created identity. We are the church. Well, what does the church look like? Well, the church has been given gifts. The church has been given ministry. The church has been given roles so that we can grow together and give God His glory through Jesus Christ. That's what the church does. As we look at this, we find uh, this, this, this teaching a little bit more it goes a little bit more in depth than Ephesians, and in Ephesians chapter four, read we read about, about paul 's words to this, to this, uh, in this letter. And so as we look at Ephesians chapter four, it says, "As a prisoner, Paul talking as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Think about rhythm. Think about rhythm. I urge you to live of the calling that you have received. That means that we understand who we are. That means we understand how God has gifted us. That means that we understand that we are the church and that we become, what we're going to talk about here in a few moments, culture creators. And we receive that calling in humility. We receive that calling in a humbleness and gentleness and where we have patience, where we bear with one another in love, where we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That means we begin to understand that you're different, I'm different, you have a different gift, you have a different role than I do. That's okay. In fact, we welcome that. Because we're not all the same. We begin to realize that this church thing this coin koinonia, this fellowship, we begin to see a bigger picture here where we're saying, you know what? God's up to something at element here at this local body. God is bringing this person and this person and this person and that person and this person and this person, and this person has that gift. This person has that gift. And you start seeing this mosaic coming together for one purpose and that is to bring Jesus His glory. And we come together in humbleness and gentleness and we come together and we recognize that other people are different than us and that's Okay. And other people may like different things than we like, and that's okay, because we are diverse, we are uniquely created, and we all bring something to the table because we've been created in the image of God. And we come together in unity and peace. That doesn't mean that you have to like the same sports team as I like, and dress the way I dress, and drive the same car, and do all the same things that I like to do, and if you don't do that, or if I don't do that, then I'm I'm devaluing you. That's not what that means. It means we're coming together and that we understand that we are here for Jesus Christ. That everything starts with Jesus and ends with Jesus. That I exist because of Jesus. That this church exists because of Jesus. Our koinonia exists because of Jesus. It's all about Jesus, and we unite in the Spirit through the bond of peace. He goes on to say this, there is one body. Again, this is kind of this reflection back to the Romans, where and, and, and he writes about this a little bit later on in Ephesians as well, but again, he's going back to that picture to say, it's not separated. You don't have Jew and Gentile. You don't have the, you know, these people and those. It's, we're one. We are one body. There is one body. There is one spirit, just as you were called, to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. He would, go on, he would go on to say this, and this really starts talking about how he assembled the body. He says, However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scripture says, When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. As we continue on, it says, Notice he says, the ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended. "...to our lowly world, and the same, who, and the same one who descended in the, is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself." And then he goes on to paint this picture of how these things are brought together and how, what it looks like. And he says, "...so Christ himself gave the apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip the people for works of service." so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of god and become mature straining uh, or attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ so paul paints this picture to this tr- in this letter that says this this is how it all works we're all in this together we are one it's all about Jesus Christ. He is the head. He is the one that it's all about. It starts with him It ends with him. And Christ has given us gifts. And he's given, he's, he's given us five different types of gifts here. The apostles, the prophets, the angels, the pastors and teachers. To do what? Our job description is laid out perfectly in the Bible. We don't have to sit around and redefine everything. We don't have to sit around and say, well, Okay, what is it that he did? Here's the purpose. This is what they do. So that the body of Christ may be built up. So that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, there's, uh, if you go back one slide, Mark, um, there's a quote here that says, art happens when anyone in the world takes any kind of material and fashions it into a deliberate statement. I love that statement. I love that quote because here's what it suggests. It suggests that as an artist you can take any type of, any type of materials and as you have this creative vision... You bring these materials together and you form something with intentionality and it becomes, it becomes a, a deliberate statement. It's like us. God takes all of us, all of these materials, and He takes us and He forms a deliberate statement with us it's like us with our gifts when we take a look at our gifts and we truly begin to understand who we are we begin to minister out of that and whatever we're doing we can take it and use it to bring himself glory now as we take a look at these things i want to share with you uh, again these five gifts that we're going to be talking about in the next the, this week and next week and i want to break them down and at the end of this you're going to see another uh web address that i want you to a url that i want you to write down and take this inventory it's 80 questions it it won't take you that long, but it will give you a snapshot of who you are. And then as we take a look at who we are as, as a body, and we, you share that with us, we begin to understand, okay, these are the thriving environments, which we're all going to talk about, but these are the thriving environments which will, which you will thrive in ministering in. You were created as one of these, and as you understand these, and as you embrace this, and you begin to see the weak side of it, or the immature side and the mature side, and we work together for us all to become mature, we're going to see and understand how God is putting us together as a church. Now let me share with you a couple of these these gifts. Uh, But first of all, let me share this with you real quick. This is the same thing that the Corinthians did, and I want to make note of it one more time so that we are not caught up in it. These gifts are not who you are. Does that make sense? You are a child in Jesus Christ. You are created in the image of God. It has to start there. Your identity is not an apostle. Your identity is not a prophet, evangelist, teacher, or pastor. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. Do you understand why it's so critical for us to understand? That's why we tried to teach on rhythm before we went back into this. Because if we don't understand that, we become like the church in Corinthian, where we tout our spiritual gift and we say, "I am a prophet." And what we mean by that sometimes is, I'm going to slap you in the face because a prophet, what a prophet does a lot of times throughout scriptures is kind of re- return people to God, you know, if they're off the path or something. So, what I can do as a prophet now, because I'm a prophet, I'm going to express a truth to you and I'm going to slap you in the face with it and you're going to feel bad, but that's okay because I'm a prophet. That's not okay. That's not who you are. You're a child in Jesus Christ. Your role, your ministry, your gift. May be a prophet, but what does that look like? Because now we're starting to see how we operate in the immature, on the immature side. Now let me share with you a couple of these, and then we'll talk a few minutes on the back side of them. So there's five. There's five of these which I just shared: apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. What these are? They're we're, they're called culture creators. We are called to go into our culture and create, or we are called to create culture. As we are gifted, we are called to be culture creators. The opposite of this, guys, is the immature side, which says that we are becoming creation, a creation of our cultures. That's not correct. There's a huge difference. It's the same thing kind of like what Paul talks about in Romans 12, where he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't give in to the culture. You're not one of them. Peter talks about us being different, about being strangers in a strange world or aliens in a strange world. We're the chosen one, We're the called ones. We're the, we're the priesthood of all believers. We are called to change culture. I don't know if I agree with that. Let's read Matthew 5 together. The Sermon on the Mount. Would you agree with me that Jesus was outlining and laying out what the culture of the kingdom of God was going to look like? Did he vacillate throughout his ministry? Did he look at it and say, oh gee, I better like back off of this a little bit because these people aren't really accepting it too much. Jesus was a culture creator. He came saying, you've heard that the kingdom of God was at hand, I'm telling you it's here. Or the kingdom of God is coming, I'm telling you it's here. And what he did eloquently, and probably never ever can be done again, is in Matthew chapter 5 through the next few chapters, he lays out the kingdom of God and what that culture looks like. How people will deal with marriage, how people deal with anger, how people will deal with divorce, how people will deal with praying for the enemies, how people will... It's the characteristics of the kingdom of God. Jesus was a culture creator. He's calling us as a church to be the same. The problem is, is when we don't understand that, and we don't understand who we are, and then we go out into our world, and we become a creation of our culture, and then we bring it into the body here, and we have a nice hodgepodge of dysfunction. We're going to break that. We're going to work through that, and we're going to become who God has called us to be. Now, let me share with you the positive and negatives of each one of these. The first one is, and this is what we'll call them. You are skipping too fast for me. Back up one slide, Mark. I know. You can chastise me afterwards. Um, Apostle would be a dream awakener. Prophet would be a heart revealer. Evangelist is a storyteller, which I talked a little bit about last week. Um, Pastor would be a soul healer, and teachers would be like givers. Now, let me share with you what these look like in the way they're supposed to function and in the way they're not supposed to function. Some secular examples. Let's start with the Apostle. Some secular examples of an apostle would be entrepreneurs or your explorers, okay? These people would, you have this gift, and, and it's suggested, and I, I tend to really, I tend to buy into this, it's suggested that you have this gift. The problem is, either—is it's either going to express itself in a healthy way, or an unhealthy way. An entrepreneur, or things like, these are people that have this, that they have this wisdom of God, they're all about the wisdom of God, and, and they're about... They're about, you know, it, it can either be the wisdom of man, where they embrace the ideas and the philosophies of the wisdom of man, or in a healthy way, it's going to be about the wisdom of God. Does that make sense? So if you're if you're an apostle, you're all about the wisdom of God. You're trying to understand what is truth, what is the wisdom of God. How do we go about this? What is the correct way? Because when, when we look and again when you read Corinthians, it talks about what it, what you know the wisdom of man is foolishness, or the foolishness of God, uh, is, or the wisdom of God is the foolishness of man. And so an apostle says, no, it's all about the wisdom of God. Now, if we're operating in an unhealthy way, we can become individuals that's very astute in the ideas and the wisdom of man, which are empty and hollow philosophies when it comes to the wisdom of God. If you're mature, you're operating over here in the wisdom of God, where you're you're understanding that out of your maturity the wisdom of God looks like foolishness to man, like I've already said. Now, let's go on to the next one, a heart revealer. A heart revealer is the prophet. These are people that... that um, they want to reveal the heart of God. They're all about truth. They're all about turning, helping people turn back to, you know, to follow the ways of God. Uh, they're about, um, you know, this, 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 this fullness of expression. Uh, in a secular sense, they can be artists, musicians, the creative types. Now, in an unhealthy way, if you're an artist, if you're a musician, in an unhealthy way, the audience becomes the audience of many. Let me wow you as a musician. Because I want the accolades. I want you to praise me. I want you to praise my work as an artist. I want you to look at my art. And I want you to see my creativity, my brilliance. And see how deep I am in my thinking. And just look at this and just bring praise to me. And out of my immaturity, what can happen is, we can function out of that immature side where it's all about me. The audience is about many, but it's about me. The mature side, obviously, is the audience of one, where we say, this is all about God. We're here coming into the presence of God. Everything that we're doing, everything that we do, has got to give God His glory. The next one is a storyteller. And I shared this with you a little bit last week. This is the one I test out the most on. You always have two, essentially. And the story t- or, uh, 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 an evangelist is a storyteller. Now, some of the secular examples of a storyteller or a, an evangelist is people in sales, a salesman. Not saying they're always bad. Political figures. Public relations. How many of you have been around evangelists that you're like, this guy is trying to sell me a product? Right? So the backside of this can be, as as an evangelist, as a storyteller, the backside of this can be this. I want people to come into church. It's all about what? Numbers, 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 numbers. Because if the church is more full, I feel more validated. If the church is more full, I feel more worthy of myself. I get my identity from that. And so what happens is, an evangelist in the mature side, People can become objects. People can become the means to an end. Whereas it's not about that it's about having these valuing it's about valuing relationships it's not about devaluing a relationship making a person an object but about valuing people and understanding these people are far from god and as we connect with them and we, we interact we interact in stories and we share hey you've got a story you've got a six-foot perspective and god's got this meta narrative and he wants to come crashing down through your story let me share with you how you fit into this it doesn't end there but it ends in this person becoming you know this relationship becoming much deeper and you have this relationship with someone Versus just passing them off. Okay, they're in the church. Let's get them moving. Let's get them out of here. You know, it's not like that at all. The second one, or the the fourth one, is this: soul healers. Soul healers are your pastors. These are the people that are that are caregivers. Okay, in the secular world, these are people that are caregivers. They're the social workers. They're the nurses. They're the ones that just genuinely cares about people, and that's good. That's a great thing. What does it look like when it's immature? When it's immature, we begin to enable. The relationship, because I've been hurt, I need to be felt like it matters to me. And so what happens is, as a soul giver, I can ask people. You know, I will develop those relationships uh, as a pastor, and I'll bring bring you in, and then it becomes this enabling thing where I feel powerful. I feel like I'm truly needed. I feel like that, okay, I'm getting my self worth. I'm getting some respect here. And the thing, and what can happen is it never goes to the other part where you let them go and it becomes this, the healing part truly takes place. A lot of times it just continues to live in this dysfunction. And oh, by the way, if I truly reveal to you, if I truly share with you what you need to hear, the truth, you might reject me and you might leave. And so over here, When we operate out of the maturity side, it's about about understanding Psalm 23, the Good Shepherd. Where we take people and we build those relationships and we bring them into the presence of the Good Shepherd. And we say, oh, by the way, you may be going through some tough times right now, but it may be because God is leading you through a dark time so that He's leading you to another place that's going to be much greater than where you're at right now. I don't understand why. I don't understand why that looks like that. But in, you know, as we look at the 23rd Psalm, you see God leading and He's saying there's going to be times where we go through dark valleys and He's going to lead us through places that we would never ever in a million years want to go. But as we go through that, we see the much greener pasture on the other side where He understands this is where we need to be and it may hurt to get there, but we're going to become healthy as we go through that. And so that's the mature side of the pasture. The last one are teachers. The teachers are light givers. And some secular example obviously would be teachers, lecturers, and trainers. Now the immature side of that, of a teacher, is I want you to bow at my feet because I'm going to impart some wisdom to you that's going to blow you out of the water. I want you to come. We're going to have a Sunday school class and I'm going to talk to you about eschatology. I'm going to talk to you about the eschaton when Jesus is going to return. I'm going to talk to you about the, you know, the study of the Holy Spirit, the study of sin. I'm going to lay out some stuff to you and you're just going to sit in awe of what I know. And so what happens is that becomes kind of like this, again, the immature side of this. It can be that way if we don't move over and allow it to become the healthy side. The healthy side is what? Life transformation. Where it's like it's not about just the dissemination of knowledge. It's not about just the dissemination where we, stu- where we sit around and we study the Scriptures until Jesus returns. It's about studying the Scriptures so that we can have life change. That we can be transformed more into the image of Jesus Christ. Jesus said it even to the Pharisees, if you remember that story. Remember Jesus going to the Pharisees and He said, part of the problem is you worship the Bible, you worship the Scriptures, but you're missing out on what the Scriptures actually say. That's what can happen to us if we're fun- functioning in that immature side as a teacher versus the healthy side over here that's, that's about life transformation. So here's the, here's the thing. We're all gifted with one of these. And so here in a few minutes, I'm going to throw this address up there to you. And I want you to, ta- I want you to, this week, I want you to please go take this quick inventory. It's about 80 questions. It won't take you that long at all. And then I want you to get that information back to us so that we can understand how God is assembling Element Church. Because this is how we have to create, and we're going to talk about this later, but this is how, as we look at, as we look at these things, we see that there are rich environments for each one of these the, in which you will operate in in a healthy sense. Does that make sense? Where we've got to create these healthy environments in which you operate in. And so look what happens when we begin to discover these things and we discover who we are, and then we begin to take a critical look and we have some introspection, a little bit of self-awareness, and we say, am I operating out of my healthiness? I'd be over here, right? Am I operating, operating on my healthiness, or am I operating out of a little bit of immaturity? And so, what we want to, you know, we're, we want to help everyone come over here to say, okay, this is where we're at. And as God is as God is assembling element, this local body of believers, He's going to do something incredible at, through us as culture creators, and we're going to make a we're going to make a, an incredible impact for the kingdom of God. So listen to what listen to what Paul says in the last part of these. Um, uh, uh, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It says this, When you understand all this, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Does that sound familiar in another writing in the New Testament? A guy by the name of James? James says, if you pray for wisdom, if you ask for wisdom, you have to have the faith to believe because God will give it to you. And if you don't have the faith to believe, you're going to be like someone that's blown back and forth in the water by the wind, just move, you know, there's no depth to you whatsoever. And so Paul says, once we understand these things, we become mature and we operate in them, we're not going to be like infants any longer, being tossed back and forth, not really understanding things and being captivated by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, we are going to be, we're going to be speaking the truth in love. We're going to help one another grow. We're going to be speaking the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, Jesus Christ, who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is an expression of our love back to Jesus. Jesus says... If you love me, you're going to obey me. If you love me, you're going to stay connected to the vine. If you love me, and and consequently what happens when we stay connected to the vine? Consequently what happens when we focus on really trying to stay in rhythm? We become mature. We We become more deep in Him. We become more like the image of Him. And it's all done in love. It's all done in this expression of love back to Him. Again, do you love me? Do you love me? So, with that being said, a couple of things I want to share with you. The next, this next quote comes from Mike Breen. Mike Breen is an author that is really at the forefront of some of this teaching and this missional, the, helping the church to look at the culture of itself and, and instead of being creations of our culture, being culture creators. And he says this, if we know who God has made us to be, we can stop trying to be someone we're not and let go of the stress that comes with living that kind of life. Some of us are sitting in here this morning, we're burnt out on serving because we don't know who we are, and we've allowed someone else to identify who we are, and we know that that's not who we are. Does that make sense? Some of us are stressed out because we want to tell people who they are and where they should plug in and who they should be. And what's taking place is our culture is identifying who we are versus us, identif- versus us changing our culture. As I shared with you, when we first started talking about this last week, I shared with you, I was, you know, that mine t- tested I was an evangelist, which I'm like, I, th- that shocked me. I'm like, there's no way I'm an evangelist. But when I started really taking a look at it in the healthy sense and what it looks like differently versus how it's been defined to me in the past, I was like, wow, that makes sense to me. You see, the problem is what we do a lot of times, like I said, we try to we we, we have the, our own definition, our own terminology, our own glossary of these gifts, and we try to pigeon and pigeonhole people and do things to others and it just really messes everything up and convolutes everything. So a couple things I want to leave you with. Number one can we please become individuals that begin to understand how God has created us? take this fivefold. if you throw, this, throw that address up, go this week, take this, please write this down. Write it down. Let us know. Contact us back. Let us know where you test out because this is how we look at it and we say, this is how God, this is how God is shaping our ministry here at Element. So a couple things. Would you please take this? Would you please open your mind to the Spirit of God And maybe let go of some of the preconceived assumptions that you've had. Maybe you're sitting in here this morning, and I I want to say this, it's okay to be the person that God has created you to be. That's what we want. For you to understand who you are, and to be and minister out of that. Some of us are stressed out in here, because we're trying to be someone that we're not. Some of us are saying, man, I want to be a teacher so bad. You're horrible at it. You know why? Because you're not happy and you're coming across not happy and it's not your gift. And that's okay. And guys, those of you that have told them that they're teachers, would you please stop? Let's be the people that God has created and called us to be. Let's not try to pigeonhole people in this. I want to share one other thing with you too. This has been one of, as the worship team comes back, we're going to close with one last song, and um, this is the one this is the one I really struggle with, and, and we've done this in church. We do this in church a lot, and probably even in secular society, but we're here, and I want to talk about the, the environment and the context of the church. There's a lot of times we try to focus on our weaknesses, okay. I've been in the ministry for X amount of years. In X amount of years I've been in ministry, I've always been involved with people looking at me and saying, we want to focus on your weaknesses. And I'm saying, that's awesome. Because that feels great. You want to focus on something that I'm not gifted to do. You want to focus on an area of my life that God hasn't hasn't gifted me to do because of your definition of what a leader is supposed to be in a church. Because of the way the culture has defined it. I have a football team, I have a linebacker, I've got a guy that is absolutely stellar at playing as a linebacker and he does that position flawlessly, he is awesome. He is a horrible punter. I'm going to take him, hey, you're a horrible punter. Let's focus on that weakness and I'm going to move you over to our punter position. Is any, would anybody do that? Does that make sense? And so we take this guy and we put him over in our, hunter, in our punter position and we pray to Jesus every game that we don't have to punt. Why? Because he's not a punter. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard. You're sitting there, that's a stupid analogy. Exactly. It's exactly what we do in the church. Gail, you're not the administrator. We need to work on that. Here's a thought. Who's an administrator that God has placed in our body to be an administrator? Why don't we put them in that position? Why don't we let Gail be Gail? Why don't we let Jeff be Jeff? Why don't we let Chad be Chad? Why don't we let Mindy be Mindy? That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? We're making things really... Do- when I say we, I'm talking about in church... It, it, it's just something... It seems like the, it, it, it's what we do, man. It's like we take, take this and it's like, okay, this is hard. So let's have a think tank and how we can make it harder. And it's like, wait a second. What if we let go? What, what if we let go and what if we said, okay, maybe Paul is writing and he's laying out this five-fold ministry... What if we took a look at this? And what if we said, okay, let's see where God is equipping us. Let's see how God is equipping our church. Let's see how God is putting our church, our local body together. And what if we start creating environments for those individuals to work out of? Some of you may come and you may say, hey, I'm an evangelist, but I don't know what to do. We don't have an area to plug in yet. And that's where I'm going to say to you, we're going to do this together. I need you to help starting to develop this area. What does it look like? Let's sit down. Let's talk. What does this look like? We need to create thriving environments so that everybody can minister out of who we are. I want to encourage you guys to be who God has created you to be. Can you imagine what this church would look like if we said, I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. I'm an I'm a, um, evangelist. I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to understand how what that means and what that looks like. And that's where we come alongside of each other. And we're going to be talking about this a lot in the future. But we're going to to work at creating those thriving environments and what that looks like. And not define it ourselves, but allow God to define that. How is God calling you to minister as a prophet? How is God calling you to minister as a teacher? What does that look like? Could you imagine what Element would be like as a local? I think that's when we become culture creators. I think that's when we the stress level comes down because you know what? The only thing I'm asking you to do is be you. And the only thing I want you to do for me is, for, is to hold me accountable to be me. And when I start putting my fingers on something that's not me, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to mess that up because that's not you. I can't imagine what Element Church would look like, a local body would look like, if we started really embracing this, and that's what I'm praying for, that we will embrace this and we will be the people that God has created us to be and called us to be and we receive that calling with humility we receive that with contriteness and we surrender to that and we become who we are are living out of our god created identity father i thank you for your word i thank you for that you're not a god who has this warped sense of humor and and, and just throws us out to the wolves. But you're a God that loves us desperately, pursues us, chases us down relentlessly. And you're a God that gives us wisdom and revelation to, to understand who you are, to understand how you've Put this together and understand how we are to be culture creators and not creations of our culture. Father, I pray in the days to come that we would just embrace this through the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that we would be eager to to understand who we are and to live out of that identity. And to demonstrate our gifts here at this body and to to see what You're going to, just trust You and to see how You're putting us together and what You're going to do in and through us. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your wisdom. Thank You for Your revelation. Thank You for Your love and Your grace and mercy. And we just pray all this through the powerful name of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.